Sermon Notes. This is our podcast where we walk alongside our, our Sunday morning teaching series just to get deeper insights, things that didn't make uh, the cut there on the Sunday morning uh, platform. And so I'm Garland and I have with us Clark today and we're, we're continuing our study of this intriguing little four chapter book uh, that we call Jonah uh, that's tucked away in our Old Testament prophets. And we turn to chapter two here uh, this this week. So Clark, give us just the What's going on? And then we'll we'll do our normal questions of, of kind of what's interesting, what what stands out to yeah. you, what didn't make the cut as we look at it. Yeah, great to be back here on Sermon Notes. Garland, um, we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter two, right where Michael left off with us last week. And uh, Jonah uh, finds himself in the belly of the great fish. And um, what hmm. we have here um, in verses uh, two to nine is what some would call Jonah's psalm. Um, this... Uh, psalm, he's crying out. Some would call it a Thanksgiving psalm, the way it's structured. Um, there is, uh, there's an introduction uh, to this, the way he writes here. There's a statement of distress. Uh, there's a crying out, and then at the end, there's an acknowledgement of God here. And basically, it's Jonah finding himself. He's running away, and now he's sinking down, and now he's crying out. And he's literally hit the bottom rock bottom, as some would say. And uh, these are his words that are attributed to him in this moment of desperation. And so um, the phrases that are used all through this um, this psalm here, uh, he's just trying to kind of make a case for or build out just this image of what it's like um, to be covered up, to be overwhelmed, to um, be at the end of yourself. And... Um, you know, even you and I were just talking a while ago. He used this phrase, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. What is Sheol? Beautiful. Garland. Yeah, beautiful. What is Sheol? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the in the ancient Hebrew conception, and this is how ancient Near Eastern people thought in general, but the ancient Hebrew conception of their their world, their cosmology was that I stand on this thing called the land and I, I stand on it. I look up, and up there's the heavens. And so they thought it was an actual dome, like a physical structure above. Uh, above, that's where God is. And then below me is uh, the, the place where dead people go. Why? Because we bury them there. And so yeah. that's that's where they go. And it's the resting place of those that have died. And so uh, Sheol carries with it these connotations of darkness and death. Mm-hmm. And there's a big question, in at least in the Old Testament, of... Uh, do, do people come back from there? Uh, mm. Can you come back from there? It was, a, it was a big debate in the first century at the time of Jesus, so much so that Jesus will actually get the Sadducees and Pharisees over a fight over this. So it's the place of the dead. And Jonah, Jonah's saying, I, I, I'm expecting to die here. Like I, I, I jumped, they, they threw me out of the boat because I'm going out there to die. That's where I'm going. Yeah. And something triggers. We're not exactly sure when he's in the fish. Uh, is this the beginning? Is this, you know, after the three days? What, how does the narrator want us to position this prayer? Um, I like to picture it right at the end. Yeah. Um, but he's he's engulfed by death, we might say, darkness. Yeah, and a lot of descripting phrases. The waters have closed in over me to take my life. I'm at the roots of the mountains. You talk about being at the bottom. Uh, it's pretty descriptive. Um, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. And yet, there's a turn here at the end of 6 and 7 when his life was fainting away. God lifting him up from the pit. Um, his, 
He remembers the Lord, and his prayer comes to him. And so this is his, his prayer of desperation. Um, Garland, I would note this for, for Jonah, um, regardless of how he got here. We, I mean, we, we know he got here through disobedience. He was running from what the Lord told him to do. And um, he's experiencing kind of the fruits of rebellion um, in his season that he's experiencing right now. Um, we have those moments too. And we cry out in different ways and respond when we're at the bottom. You and I had discussed a situation that you experienced a few years ago with one of your daughters and where you were crying out in desperation. Um, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, the story, uh, I, I shared it on Sunday morning a few years ago, but uh, our daughter had a had a about a 35-minute seizure, had it about 11.30 at night, and uh, we rushed her over to the Washington Regional Hospital and then they they were she was one year old one year old in let's see three days so it was real scary um, they had to paralyze her to get her to uh, stop seizing and then they they flew in uh, a life flight to take it out of Little Rock Children's so they only could take one person on that plane though so my wife got on the plane they life flighted her down to Little Rock it's at this point like four in the morning it's pitch black and now I got to figure out how to get down to Little Rock it's like do I do I take somebody do I not. Well, I just got in my car and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. And I made incredible time, uh, mind you, to Little Rock because I was flying. Um, but I, I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I didn't know if she was going to have brain damage. We didn't know if she was going to survive, actually. And uh, had all these just, just absolute, just all the questions you'd go through, the fear, the terror, the anxiety of it. So I had that two hour, I think I made like two hours in like, like 10 minutes. I mean, mm. I, was, I was moving. Um, Which we're not promoting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but uh, uh, that, that was a, that was an unusual circumstance. But um, for some, I tried a podcast. I was like ah, that, that just didn't that didn't work. I tried to put music on. That didn't really work. And and finally, I've, I was actually working on Psalm 34 in a Hebrew class I was in, and it's the taste and say that the Lord is good. And that mm-hmm. line, I just drove in silence, and I had that line and the song. Uh, I think the name of the song is King of My Heart. Um, yeah. And that chorus just says, you are good, you are good. Oh, you are good, you are good. And for some reason, that just was on repeat in my head for like two hours. And uh, I, I'm sure it's because I was studying it. But just like what Jonah's doing here, um, now we've got questions about Jonah's repentance here, oh, yeah. questions gonna, about his sincerity. But uh, what comes out of him here at least as the author's uh, uh, recording it for us, is, is a lot of psalms. And I think that's that tends to be where sometimes we can get is nothing else will express this but these words that God told us to use in that moment. And so um, if you look, if you have a reference Bible, that is, um, you're probably going to have a lot of cross How many cross-references? Did you tally them up? I mean, it's a there bunch of cross-references. Yeah, specific psalms referenced by phrases uh-huh. or words. Yeah, in this section. And so, then 11 of them. Uh, were likely written before um, the events happened here. Right. Um, three of them, um, maybe after, but right. eleven of them for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting. So yeah. sometimes when you get when you get pressed and squeezed, what comes out? And uh, oh yeah, here's Jonah and uh, some the right words at least we might say uh, come out of him at least as the author. Uh, as the author is attributing it for us. Now, here's my question for you, Clark. Uh, you have anything else to say on that that little bit? No, I was going to jump to this section about um, his Thanksgiving and sacrifice and his vow he's trying to make. And, yeah, yeah, let's go there. Yeah, so uh, when you're reading this, I mean, it, this is something that, that any of us might want to say or express in our heart, but 
it's hard to, when you've got a 48 verse four chapter um, book or narrative that you're working through, it's hard to understand it um, just inside each chapter. You've got to consider the greater context and we know how the story plays itself out. And what you don't see here in this Psalm of Thanksgiving is even though he's running from God and has blatantly disobeyed him, um, he never admits fault or wrong. Um, and there's, there's no compassion for the very people that God is sending him to um, in this passage. And so it makes you wonder if, you know, this is one of those desperation prayers where, God, if you just get me out of here now, um, I'll make some sacrifices. You know, he actually says when, um, when Saul is confronting, um, when, when Samuel's confronting Saul, he's reminding him that, hey, God wants your obedience, not your sacrifice. That's what Jesus wants from us too. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And here you don't see any kind of what you might call repentant words. Right. And so um, I, think, I think it'll make much more sense next week on sermon notes when we unpack chapter three and you start to see some of the words in chapter four that come out of Jonah's mouth, you're like, man, he, he didn't get it. And God right. had rescued him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's interesting about, about the way that the author um, has put this story together is we've got Jonah who never seems, I mean, he's, he's bad in chapter one. He d- he's not good in chapter three. He's real bad in chapter four. And then we have chapter two, which is a bit of a surprise. And I, I think it's interesting that the author, in writing a narrative displaying God's compassion towards the Ninevites, right? That's what the book's ultimately about. Look at God's compassion that he has for the, Ninevite, for the Ninevites, this wicked pagan nation. It's fascinating to me that uh, the Ninevites are shown compassion for their wickedness and disobedience. And then Jonah, with this, he doesn't get it. He Even in chapter 4, he still doesn't get it. He shows the slightest bit of turning towards Yahweh, and the fish spits them out. Yeah. It's almost like the author saying, hey, you realize the Ninevites need my compassion. Hey, but so do you. Like, yeah. Hey, you fellow Jonas, you Israel, who know the Psalms and know the right words and who have been given the law, you are just as in need yeah. of my compassion. And so... Um, I don't think we should read Jonah two as a, maybe a, like a, a model prayer of repentance in our sin, um, <laughs> because he still doesn't get it by the end of the book. Yeah. Um, but what a statement like, like verse 10 that he shouldn't be spit out. He should keep going. He deserves the depths of Sheol. That's right. And he gets, he gets spared. He receives the compassion of God. And then we're going to see next, next week, he, completely fails to dispense that compassion. It's like yeah. he just goes right over his head, and which is one of the main points of the book. Well, in Michael's statement um, and his teaching in chapter 1, that uh, God shows his, he's sovereign over all, he's compassionate to all. Um, Jonah is experiencing some of that compassion um, at this point. It's the same compassion that God wants to show Nineveh. It's the same compassion that God wants to show Israel, and I think it's the same compassion he wants to show us. And so... It is gracious of God at just the least turning that he would reach out and rescue him. He saved him one through the fit from the drowning through the fish, and now he spits him up on dry land. It's interesting that it seems as though the fish obeyed before Jonah. Um, Everybody did before story. Jonah. <laughs> yeah. And um, even the Ninevites, as we learn, they will respond in their way as well. 
And so, hey, it's been a great, um, it's been a great chapter to help kind of unpack a little bit of the heart behind Jonah and what's going on in his life. And so, um, next week we're going to learn more about uh, what's going on when Jonah's back on the land and how did he respond uh, to God's call for him to go to Nineveh. Um, this is Clark Garland. It's been yeah. good being with you here on Sermon Notes, and we'll see you next week.